following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Hello, everybody. Y'all, I'm a teacher. You're supposed to say hello back. <laughs> Yay! Okay, I'm here to do some scripture reading. <laughs> so I'm doing a few things. So first thing we're going to read is from Galatians 5, 1, and then 22 through 26. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we are uh, in this series called All Are Welcome. We might add, we really mean it. (laughs) Um, In which we have been trying to make the case for LGBTQ plus affirmation and inclusion in the church from a Christian perspective. Uh, and from a biblical perspective. And the first week of the series was a, a, a week where I kind of tried to go through verse by verse through the, the most commonly used passages that are used to uh, exclude people from church. And uh, I mentioned to you that um, Meg is going to be leading this study, and you heard it at the announcements. That's going to start a week from Tuesday. That's going to kind of go deeper in that direction. And then last week, uh, the sermon was about kind of first principles and the moral logic of Scripture and how um, we can think, you know, from a sort of 50,000-foot vantage point about the whole of Scripture and and where it seems to be moving and and what clues and direction and trajectory we might get from that broader story. And those are two very different approaches to using the Bible to um, include everybody, yeah? And in some ways, the work that has to be done is to unwind the exclusion of everybody. Right? That's kind of what we've been doing the last two weeks. And in this third week, I've gone back and forth. Uh, <clears throat> I remember I had two ideas for it. Spoiler alert, we settled on the third one. Um, <laughs> the first idea was to focus on the positive because I think there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in Scripture that can point us in a positive direction toward queer affirmation in the church. Um, I realized I've kind of done... A, a whole series using the story of the early church in the book of Acts um, and the inclusion of the Gentiles is kind of a parallel for that. So if you want to go back and listen to that series, um, it's all on the podcast. Uh, I'll send you notes. If you email me, I'll tell you all that stuff. The other idea was to go deeper into like a what I might call like a post-evangelical reading of Scripture, like a totally different way of approaching Scripture. I realized that's probably a little too much for one sermon. Um, even for a rambly fellow like myself. So uh, then something different happened, which is that a member of our LGBTQ plus community emailed me and said, you know, it would be, it's, it's, it's very lovely, thank you for doing this. It would be great if we could hear from some of the folks who are actually part of the community. And it reminded me of something that I've learned about the, uh, about, about life, really, but it came from, 
talking to and working alongside uh, people in the disability community. I don't know if this phrase originated with the disability community, but I first heard it there. It says nothing about us without us. Has anybody ever heard that before? Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, nothing about us without us. And uh, I think that applies to any time you start to talk about marginalized people. You really should be talking with them. And actually, you should be listening to them, right? Now, there is a place and a time for somebody with more privilege and, and perceived authority to talk and advocate. That's what I've kind of viewed the last couple of weeks as my role, uh, my job in those times. But I responded to this person and said, that sounds great. Do you think you could maybe rustle up some of the troops, you know? <laughs> and so we have five uh, folks this morning from the LGBTQ plus community here at Artisan who are going to share uh, roughly around this theme of how their queerness is actually helping to grow their faith or save their faith or um, make them feel more welcomed. I can't wait to hear about it. I expect to learn a lot in the next um, half hour. Everybody? <laughs> Five people who have, have each been given the impossible task of sharing something meaningful in five minutes each. Um, and I cannot wait to hear from you. So thank you, um, the person who emailed me, thank you. <laughs> and thank you to everybody who said yes to that person when they reached out to you. And now I will get out of the way. And um, I'll come back up to offer communion at the end. Um, but we're going to hear first from Kristen, who is a member of Artisan's leadership team, uh, recently elected, and we're so glad. And uh, Kristen's going to go first. And then you'll pass the mic to the next person, right? All right. Sounds great. Thanks. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kristen. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, this is titled, I'm Just Like Jesus. Growing up in an interfaith household, my mom being Catholic and my dad going to a non-denominational church, although I more often was attending the Catholic church, one lesson crossed both sides, that I should be like Jesus. I should show my faith by acts of service, by respecting all people, even the folks who were different than me. There's one little thing. In my household, there were a lot of deeper issues or perspectives that simply weren't spoken. So when I was younger and I noticed myself noticing everyone, regardless of their gender identity, I pushed it down. Mainly because even though we didn't talk about it in my household, I was hearing from these two churches, along with some French churches, that these weren't okay feelings to have. Even though all of these spaces have signage saying, all are welcome, or we're made in God's image. Yet it, in these spaces, all I could hear was, unless, unless, unless. As I went off to college, I was still in the space of uncertainty, but knew I wanted to find a space to be an ally because my friends deserve to be seen and loved for who they are. It was important because I had friends in the LGBTQIA2S plus community, not because I thought I was part of it. While at Marywood University, which happens to be a Catholic fronting um, university, I learned that it was possible to love God and the queer community too. But I still hadn't come to terms that this might be important to me because of my personal sexuality. 
I went through my 20s and a few years of my 30s before I was forced to sit by myself in solitude due to a global pandemic. That is when I started seeing videos and reading articles about people like me, late bloomers who have come to realize that they like everyone, that they need to have a connection with someone, but that the gender identity doesn't matter. I like to joke that the pandemic made me realize that I'm pandemi. So good news, mom and dad. I'm just like Jesus. He too loved and connected with all people regardless of their gender identity or sexual orientation. And just circling around, funny thing, when I came out to my parents, my dad simply said, yeah, I had a feeling, and I'm glad that you figured it out. And it, it's taking my mom some time to process, but she knows that she she loves and accepts me in the, I know that she loves and accepts me and she shows that in the ways that she knows how. A few years after this aha moment, I was delightfully introduced to my fiance, Maria, by some amazing people, Allie and Margie, who I wouldn't have had the opportunity and pleasure to meet if it weren't for the open space we offer here at Artisan. So with that, I am so glad that in that time of discovering myself, I also discovered Artisan. And it is being in this church surrounded by folks who not only welcome me, but fully affirm my whole being that keeps my faith moving forward. And I'm going to introduce Sean to come up. Oh, sorry, excuse me, Penny to come up next. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I promised that when I was up there, I wasn't going to talk about the fact that I have a show at Fringe Festival. So I'm not up there, and this I've got. And so this is my show. It's called Mounting Washington, the story of a mountain and a miracle. It's about my bicycle ride up Mount Washington and the miracle that happened at the top that almost killed me. Um, and I'm just not going to talk about that as I go up here. Okay. I've been, this, I've been coming to this church for a long time. Uh, I was here so long that, you know that cross that's right outside there that, that we sometimes show up? We had a picture of a piece of it up here during the prayer of confession. It used to be right here. Uh, I was here when that was, when that was actually made. Actually, I wasn't here when that was actually, because you saw those little things that were in Those are people who are at the church would press things that were of spiritual value into that cross, which was actually created right out here and then made its way into here to this spot. And that's where it sat for a long time because this area was a prayer space where people who wanted to have a moment of silence and contemplation, a member of the prayer team would sit here and they would talk and they would pray here. And it was actually, I thought it was a beautiful thing. It was one of the things that I loved about this church was that this space was here for that. And that was really, really cool. Um, and then one day we were doing, uh, I forget what it was, there was, where there, there was another thing where congr congregational, people from the congregation were, were speaking. And Stephanie came up here and she was right down here because as she pointed out, there's no way for her to get up here to uh, actually talk. And then she talked about what she was gonna talk about and went on with her life. I don't know if it was the next week, but very soon after that, this space was gone, and this ramp started to get built. Uh, and I was, you know, I was amazed at that. Because somebody came here and said, 
this is something that's keeping me from coming to church, and this is something that's keeping people from hearing our voices. And the, this church went, oh, okay, what can we do to make sure that this is more welcoming and more able to do that? And that progressed after that. So when we did the renovations, they included Stephanie in the talks because, to make sure that things that were done here would be actually uh, helpful for the handicapped community to come here. And that is a, that is not my wheelbox. That is not what I normally talk about. I normally talk about sexuality and my, my transgender status. But I think that is a really good way of talking about why I keep coming here. Because I have not, I have said, you know, I'm not gonna come here anymore for so many different times. And every time I think about that, when I come, something amazing happens. And I say, okay, I gotta keep coming back here. And that was one of the days when something amazing was happening uh, that happened that, that got me to stay here. And it is exactly what has kept me here. Even I was here before I transitioned. I was here uh, when I wasn't, didn't get my thing, uh, anything in the cross because actually I was out climbing Mount Washington, which is what I'm gonna be talking about <laughs> next week in my friend show. Um, I'm just gonna put this right here for you, Scott. Okay, anyhow. But that is the attitude that this church has, and I think this is the, the most Christian attitude that I've ever seen, which has helped me an awful lot because I have always been a doubter. And I was a doubter when I started here all those years ago, and I'm still slowly gaining faith and slowly being okay with calling myself a Christian, mostly because I have so many horrible stories about what Christianity has done to me. But this place has not. And uh, I loved one thing that Scott was talking about one time when he was talking about, yeah, there's a space at the table for everyone, but people would come in and like, yeah, there's a space at the table, for, but there's no, place, there's no place for the table and everyone's sitting around and there's no place for you. This church does not do that. When they realize that there's somebody who needs to come here that can't, they make space. They'll increase it, they'll redesign the house to make sure that all really are welcome. And it's that sort of welcoming loving, non-judgmental, okay with people who have questions, uh, patient attitude about Christianity and faith that I find so attractive and what's what's keeping me here all of these years. And I have no idea who I'm handing this off to. I guess I am handing it off to Scott. And thank you. Good morning. My name is Sean Scott. I use he, him pronouns. And when I was asked to um, be a part of this discussion, um, the two words that came, well, the phrase that came to mind was the unconditional love of Jesus. Now I know what you're thinking, Sean, that's the safe pageant answer. Everyone wants to talk about the love of Jesus while we're in church. But um, I want to take you back to a time when my love was conditioned. So um, in 2011, I attended a church here in Rochester, New York. That was wonderful. I thought it was worship filled. You know, Jesus was talked about. The Bible was talked about. And I went, you know, to a membership class and, and they were, you know, they were talking about what type of people could not be members of this church. And they said, if you are a man or a woman claiming to be a homosexual, um, that you will not be welcomed as a member of this church. But when they talk about all are welcome, they said, you can still come, you can still come, but you had to deny yourself 
like the Bible says, right? Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus to be a member of this church. And for 10 years, I bought into that lie that I had to deny myself of who I am to follow this man that I've loved so much that my late grandmother had taught me about. I was also a part of a conservative Christian university in Virginia who told me the same thing. I actually worked there and was scared for my life if somebody found out that I loved you know, a person of the same sex, that I could either be fired or removed from my position or my status as a student um, there. But in 2021, um, I decided to reclaim that unconditional love of Jesus and be the gay Christian that I am today. And um, during my time back in Virginia, I was researching affirmative churches. Um, so if you go to gaychurches.org, um, that's a wonderful place. You know, Artisan is on that list. Um, and Scott, they did change it, you know, with the same-sex marriage. They did change it. I know you were worried about that. Um, but I researched and I messaged Scott Austin right when I, fig when I found that he um, and his church was affirming. Because I wanted to dig a little bit more. Because I've heard of all are welcome. But I wanted to make sure. And it was during a coffee uh, night with Scott at Fuego Coffee in downtown where I felt loved for being who I was. A month or two later, they did a sermon series called um, Reclaiming Christianity, um, and one of the topics was reclaiming the Bible, and I came to one of their um, Tuesday night discussions on that, and I was very honest. I was, I, was, I was telling people I did not read the Bible because of those six passages that are in there. If I kept reading it and knowing that they were in there, that I would feel the love gone. I would feel less than, but um, there was a moment that I remembered um, where I looked at the Bible one day, and it's Romans 8, 38 through 39, and I did share it with the group that was in there. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I stand firm today that Jesus still loves me, for the beautiful gay Christian man that I am, and I share my story to anyone that will listen, and for people that are there, you are loved and you are beautiful. And that is the unconditional love that Artists in Church has shown me, and that's the joy that I stand in front of you today. So our next person is Don, who's gonna come up. Hi, my name is Don, and I've been coming to We've been coming since uh, to Artisan before the pandemic. Uh, so we, we came here for like six months and then the pandemic happened and then we couldn't come anymore. So we did a virtual thing for a while and then we were so happy when we started coming back. Um, so I'll just let you know a little bit about my faith. Um, coming here has been great, by the way. And I thank Scott like every day to make us feel welcome because we have tried uh, several places in Syracuse. We drive from Syracuse every week to come here. So it means a lot and it is a very special place because there is no other place like this. But growing up, I did not have the same uh, stigma or, um, you know, um, with church that other gay Christians do. Um, it was, it's unusual. My faith has always been my saving grace since coming out. 
I was fortunate enough that I never felt uncomfortable in church. But I was never forced to go to church, even when I was young. Going to church was a conscious decision I made after I came out. After my family, in my culture, shunned me, even though I wasn't brought up in church, I was expected to live a certain way and abide with the rules of my culture. I couldn't have a regular job. I couldn't have friends outside of my family. My culture even disapproved of their children getting an education. Lord forbid we would grow to be smarter than our parents and realize that there's an actual world out there. So being different was the worst thing I could have done to my family. I would read books, draw extensively, practice magic, and dream of a place where I can be normal and be like normal people. My family is Romani. Growing up, I longed to have meatloaf or fried chicken for dinner like everyone else. But I didn't. We had stuffed cabbage and other traditional dishes, um, and I was expected to keep the family traditions going. But I think even my family knew that would be difficult for me. So I was always different. While my cousins talked about girls in cars, in cars I asked if they read any good books lately. <laughs> I knew they didn't because they didn't know how to read. And I became even more of an outcast. When I finally came out to my family, my mother didn't believe me. She thought it was just another ploy to be different. When she realized I was telling the truth, she told me she would rather me be a drug addict than be gay. So since I was an outcast, I decided to make the best of it and start school again. I only had a fifth grade education, so I studied, got my GED, and started community college. I wasn't getting any support from my family, so I worked full time and went to school. I eventually moved out and took a chance on a new life. During this time, I felt there was something missing in my life. So we grew up Catholic and went to church on Easter and, Christ and Christmas. I remember loving the architecture of cathedrals, the cathedrals of Baltimore, where I'm from. Uh, the stained glass windows, the smell of incense, and the statues of saints were both unsettling and comforting at the same time. So I started going to church again on my own. First a Catholic church and then an Episcopal church. And it made me feel whole again. The chaos and uncertainty of my new life was overwhelming, but the church kept me grounded. It was a raft in the storm that kept me strong. My family eventually got better. My mother decided not to be bothered with my sexuality anymore, but was only concerned that I stay healthy. My brother called me proudly and told me that he voted for gay marriage. So miracles do happen. So I'm not sure if coming out led me to go back to church or kept my faith, but it helped me become the person I am today. Church molded me into an empathetic resilient man who understands other people or tries to understand them 
and their struggles with faith. Faith is different journey. It's a different journey with everyone, but it is faith that keeps people together to create a community of souls seeking for their truth or that are seeking for their truth. And it is in this truth where grace lives, always letting us know that we have a place to go when the world shuts us out. Thank you. I'm Ellie. Um, first of all, Scott texted me and asked if I wanted to share on Sunday, and I assumed he meant at Open Doors. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and if you've been to Open Doors, you've seen me cry, so I really wasn't that worried about it. But come to find out, he did mean during the service. So here I am. <laughs> um, and the only thing I can guarantee is that this is going to be a little bit messy. Um, <laughs> So if I'm being honest, recently I have been taking on Rachel Held Evans' sentiment of on the days that I believe a lot more than usual. Um, I usually see bits and pieces of God in people's smiles and in the intricacies of all living things, but I have really wrestled with the pain that this creator is seemingly doing very little about. Um, There's a lot that I don't know, but here's what I do know. The hatred and discrimination that myself and other queer people have experienced is not what any loving God would want. Um, I understand that real and, condi- real and unconditional love is much more important than the forced love that the churches I grew up in wanted to place on me. Um, I want to know every human being that I meet and love them regardless of how compatible we would be as a friend. And I've learned to hold space for all people. I have so much love for people who have hurt me and for those who have made me feel loved and everything in between. Um, and in hindsight even when I have really difficult memories with people, I'm still working really hard to hold love for them, and that has been a really freeing feeling that the church that I grew up in would not have allowed me to feel. Um, There is a rawness and genuineness that queer love allows, and it has helped me to understand that humans were created to be good and that love is real and it's also messy. It helped me to understand a gender-fluid version of God that is feminine, masculine, and androgynous all at the same time and occupies all roles. The most healing one that I have discovered is God as a mother. Realizing that God cannot possibly be contained in the box that the conservative evangelical circles I grew up in forced God into has helped me recognize that God is an entity to be found in all things rather than a dictator who's watching my every move. Realizing that God has created us to be good and that sin is inevitable and something to hold ourselves accountable for rather than something to experience shame about took me years to admit. It took me years to admit to myself and others that I was gay, even though I still experienced deep, even though I was still experiencing deep shame when I started telling people what I was feeling. But one day about a year ago, I realized that I could either live in crippling shame or I could love myself as I am and assume that an all-loving, all-knowing God would do the same. Because if I'm made in God's image and God created me and I love women, that's kind of how that just makes sense to me now. Um, I got to a point in my past where my options were to either love myself or to fight for my life on a day-to-day basis. And I was really sick and tired of not knowing if I wanted to wake up the next morning. All that to say, I now understand God to be a creator and facilitator of all things beautiful and messy, myself included.
Wow. Okay. One more time for the bravery and honesty and wisdom and joy. I do not see that as a different type of sermon. In other words, I, I do not see the first two weeks as arguing for queer inclusion in the church and this week as a story of testimonies because what you have all just done is give what I think is a way more compelling argument than anything I have said over the last two weeks for why you should be included in the church. Um, the, the text that was read about the fruit of the Spirit, you are, you are radiating the fruits of the Spirit and I just like to think that that's, that's not a trick. That's not the devil trying to trick us all. <laughs> that that is actually the Holy Spirit producing that fruit in your lives. And that, to me, is the most compelling argument that one could make for including all people in the life of the church. I can't thank you enough uh, for all of you who shared, those of you who didn't share, um, and, and have similar stories of your own. Uh, Allie, who, who shared a sermon before the series began, uh, Diana, who's going to share uh, What's Saving My Faith sermon next week, bookending this series. Um, it's incredible. And uh, the, 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 the depth and beauty and joy that you all bring to our community is contagious and wonderful, and I'm so grateful for all of you. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.